Welcome to Fado Fado, a series of stories about life in rural Ireland in the first half of the 20th century as told by members of the Ballinasloe Active Retirement Association. In this episode, Tony Larry talks of the resourcefulness of his father, who acted as a general handyman for the decaying single-storey houses of low-income tenant families in post-war Waterford City. The story was published December 2006 in Razzle Dazzle, a collection of stories by Loch Ray Creative Writing Group, edited by Liam Nolan. The Little Car by Tony Lowry. The racket made by the metal wheels on the concrete footpath embarrassed me. With my younger brother Jerry, I was pushing the little car on our way to collect a half hundredweight of coke from the gasworks. The vehicle we were pushing was a homemade handcart which resembled a rectangular box four feet long by two feet wide, suspended on two small metal wheels. The size of the wheels was dictated by the fact that we lived on a hill and the small, low-gear wheels were easier to push. How I hated the noise the metal wheels made. Everyone would know that the Lowry brothers were going for coke or logs. As someone who was wearing long trousers and had started secondary school, this was a major status consideration for me. So as to minimise the noise, we went out on the road, where the tarmacadam reduced the rumble from the wheels. Our use of the road instead of the footpath is a comment on the small volume of traffic in Waterford during my school days. The little car, which had been made by my father, to the dimensions required to fit through the doorway of our terrace house, epitomises for me my father's resourcefulness. It was his mode of transport for ladders, planks, buckets, and all the other paraphernalia of a self-employed handyman, which is what he was all his working life. Most of his work came from a firm which would now be referred to as property managers, but which in the 1950s, and for as long as anyone could remember, used to be known as agents. The popular perception of them was low. A bad odour from earlier times still lingered. These agents collected the rents from hundreds of small one-storey houses in Waterford. The properties were well over 100 years old. The capital value at the time was negligible. The tenants were unlikely to meet the criteria for getting a mortgage and the restrictive lending climate then prevailing and would not have been able to avail of a buyout opportunity. The houses were generally in bad condition and small repairs were always required, especially to the roofs. The agents were unwilling to pay the market cost of repairs. They said that the rents were too low to cover the outlay. My father was obliged to trundle the little car round the builder's yards rummaging for second-hand slates that would fit those already on the roof. Doors and window frames had to be repaired, had to be repaired, never replaced. Fortunately, there were several small builders' yards in Waterford where he was known, 
and he could search around until he found something suitable. What my father was doing would now be regarded as recycling, but for him to get the best out of everything was not a lifestyle choice, but a condition of survival. Another feature of his work was accidental conservation. By the use of old original materials, the character and style of those little old houses was preserved. That consideration didn't carry much weight with tenants, who had to put up with the leaking roof until the agents decided to call my father in. They had a genuine grievance, as the cost of a roll of felt to make a temporary repair would not be reimbursed. Quantities of boiled oil were always in our shed. This was used to make paint go as far as possible. No bits were left in the pots. On occasion, I saw my father mixing the dregs from several pots to get enough paint to do a door or window. To transport larger loads of sand and bags of cement, my father engaged the services of Johnny Grant, who operated a one-man, one-horse haulage business. Johnny owned a horse and cart, which he used to fetch and carry bulky items. He would also collect building rubbish and take it to the city dump. Another unpopular service he provided was to source and deliver loads of farmyard manure. On our way to collect the coke, I wished, as on many other occasions, that my father had put rubber tyres on the little car, or at least rubber rims. The gasworks were situated on the bank of a small tidal river, commonly called the Pill. We made a clattering din as we crossed over the iron bridge to reach the yard. Far from our minds was the concept that we were pushing an eco-friendly vehicle. At that time, families on our income level were encouraged to work allotments. These were located about half a mile from where we lived. The site was on the outskirts of the city, facing into the open country. The plots, as they were called, were allocated annually at a nominal rent under a scheme administered by the City Corporation to help low-income families. We qualified under these arrangements to have the use of one of the plots. My father planted mainly potatoes, but also carrots, parsnips, white or sweet turnips and swedes, plus lettuce, beetroot, onions, and various kinds of cabbage according to the time of the year. The little car conveyed the seed potatoes and great hanks of cabbage plants for sowing, and, and then was used to bring home the bags of potatoes and vegetables for storage. Without it, we could never have managed to work the plot. I didn't mind much the metallic din as we pushed our conveyance past the large, detached houses of our well-off neighbours. Maybe a defiant spirit was stirring in me to feel part of the self-help effort. Certainly, the little car carried home an important provision for our household budget. My mother was always anxiously awaiting the new potatoes to relieve the cost of having to buy overpriced ones in poor condition in the month of June.
Winter cabbage was always available and supplies were scarce and expensive in the shops. One incident which illustrates my father's principle of getting the maximum return from resources, remain, the resources used remains clearly in my memory. We were in our sitting room in front of the embers of the open fire. There was no more fuel available, neither logs nor turf. My father and I were the only people in the room. I said to him that I might as well go to bed as it would be too cold sitting there. He just smiled and replied, We can stay up a bit longer. The Grishuk is still warm. By that he meant the ashes and residue of burned turf, which gave out heat for a considerable time. I was pleased that he had used the Irish word for ashes, as I had learnt it at school a short time previously. My father enjoyed the heat from the embers as long as it lasted. He extracted the maximum advantage that night from the fuel which he had bought. The problem of how to get a fresh supply of fuel tomorrow he left until the following day. Recycling to him was rejuvenation of old things to a new life in his struggle to make a living. Renewable energy meant pushing his ladders to the next roof. The little car carried his way of life. 